mentioned our message series called Intersections. And uh, we've been looking at key questions to ask when you don't know what to do. And these intersections are the intersections that we face in life where there's multiple roads and they go to different places, different destinations, and you just may not be sure which road to choose. Specifically, these key questions are looking at the decisions that we encounter where we had no idea we were going to have to make that choice. They surprised us. It came from nowhere and we're faced with this issue of what do I do? What do I do with this circumstance? What do I do with this trouble? What do I do with this opportunity? And these questions kind of help clarify in the moment when your emotions are going crazy, when you're not exactly sure what to do, they clarify what are you supposed to think about what's really important. And the first week we launched this series on Easter and we talked about uh, question number one, which is how does this fit into my purpose for living? How does this decision and this intersection I face fit into my purpose for living? Because without purpose, you don't know where you're headed. You don't know where you're going. You don't really know what the point of your life is. And so if you don't know your purpose, it's very difficult to know which decision you should make or not make depending in the moment. And so knowing your purpose is very important. Last week, uh, we talked about how crucial it is to, am I being completely honest with myself? And asking the question of whatever I'm facing right now, whatever my circumstances, am I really being honest and looking at our heart and our heart is really deceitful and the scriptures say it's sick beyond repair. There's just a part of our heart where we can't fully trust it. And so then how do we take that into account when something feels so right or something feels like we should definitely do it? But what, what about that if, if it's not leading us to the life that we're supposed to have? This week, we're going to continue with another question, which looks at the idea of story. And really, the question is, what what story do I want to tell with my life? And we each have stories. We look back on our life and we have stories of our high school. You spend four years in high school and you think it's never going to end. If you're like me, you're just like, when is this thing going to end? And then you talk to people now and you tell them about high school and they say, what was your high school like? And you, you know, it was good. One sentence sums up four years, right? Isn't that crazy? Or what was your childhood like? You know, I had fun. Twelve years, I had fun. In the moment, you, 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 know, you think this stage is going to go on forever. But the reality is, it's really summed up by key choices that you make. And the story you want to tell is very important because if you don't know the story that you want your, your life to be about, then again, that impacts the way that you make decisions. Maybe decisions don't matter if you're not sure what your story is. Uh, I have kind of a routine with, with my kids. Uh, before we go to bed and before we pray together, my, my daughter's on this thing right now where she wants me to tell her a story. And each night, it's, she wants me to say something that I've done that was like bad in my childhood. And so like I'm reflecting continually about like all the dumb decisions I've made. And so as I'm summing up life, like, tell me a story. And I, I will tell her something. She's like, no, I already know that one. So I'm having to like, you know, I'm, I ask my parents, hey, what did I do? That, you know, and all of a sudden all these things are coming to mind. I'm like, man, there, I did some stupid things. And my kids are loving it. Like, yeah, dad, man, he's, what was he thinking? You know, and it's fun. We have fun with it. But even that I'm thinking, wow, like these moments as I'm sharing, these were impacted by certain decisions I make in the moment. And so the story you tell and asking that question really is kind of, what do I want my life to be all about? 
So it's good news or bad news because time goes by very quickly, as we all know. But the decisions we make at those key intersections really do have an impact on our overall story. And you can look at just examples in your own life. You could look at just examples in what's been going on in our country the last few years as we've been in like this recession. And that's become a part of people's story. If you get laid off from a job or you're trying to make ends meet, you make certain decisions and those become part of your story that could last the rest of your life. And we all have different approaches. What do we do in these times? How do we make these decisions? Or if you've had a relationship where somebody's wronged you, the way that you react to the wrong that's done to you becomes an incredible part of your story. How you respond in anger or bitterness or forgiveness, each of those emotions and responses dictate the kind of story that we tell. So I was thinking about this in my own life. If people were going to look at a snapshot of your life, how would they describe your story so far? Like, what's the genre of your documentary? We're all going to have a documentary, but what's the genre of it? Like, is it a thriller? You know, like you never know what's going to happen. Blah! Or is it a comedy? And comedy's kind of fun because you'll think like, yeah, mine's going to be a comedy. It's going to be fun. But comedy could also be like, it's a joke. Well, I, I don't want my life to be a joke or a drama. And all of us are like, well, I've, I've had some of that. Drama has been a part of my story. But we each going to have a certain flavor toward the documentary of our life. And it's impacted by the decisions that we make. So I want to encourage you, just think that through. This is kind of a big picture question, but what's the story that you want to tell? And how does that impact what you do? As you face decisions you never thought you were going to have to make. That will tell the story of your life. And I want to spend some time looking at a story in the Old Testament. Because this story, it's about the Joseph And this isn't the same Joseph that was married to Mary, that was Jesus' dad. This is Joseph from 1850 B.C., before Christ ever came. There's a story about Joseph, and as he faced a predicament in his life, how that unfolded the story of what his life was going to be all about. And so I want to give you a little little backdrop, because you may be thinking already right now, what's your story like? And I want to kind of give you just his story so far before we're going to read the scripture as it unfolds more. And so, so far in Joseph's life, as you dig in the scriptures, you find that it kind of went off rough. Uh, He had siblings that wanted him killed. Okay. So right then you think about your story. And then I want you to think about Joseph's story. And it starts with, you know what? He was born to parents and he had brothers and they wanted to kill him. Well, that story is pretty dramatic already. And so here's the thing. They wanted to kill him, but they thought, well, if we kill him, we can't make a profit So let's sell him. Okay, so there's a guy named Joseph. He has a family. They want to kill him. But instead of killing him, they want to make money, so they sell him. They sell him for some silver. 211 grams of silver or something like that, which becomes like $201. Okay, it's bad enough that you're sold. But for like 200 bucks? Like, that's a depressing story so far. What's your life been like? Well... My brother sold me for 200 bucks. Okay, let's talk. And you find out that he was sold to a man named Potiphar, and he was going to become kind of the servant to Potiphar. Well, the thing about Joseph is that Joseph feared God, and he loved God, and he wanted to please God. This was who Joseph was. And so he was sold to Potiphar, and what did he do? Did he kind of say, oh, my life can't go on. My brothers wanted to kill me. They sold me instead. My life's over. No, that wasn't the end of his story. 
That was a part of his story, but it didn't define his story. And you find that in Potiphar's house, he had great influence. Everything Potiphar gave him to do, he did it well. Everything. He was faithful. And what happened? He began to get more and more responsibility. Before you know it, here's a guy that was sold by his brothers. He was a slave. He became number two in his master's house. He was over everything. The only person over him was Potiphar himself. This man, Joseph, a terrible beginning, a terrible past, a terrible story that it started, had great influence in this house that he was sold to. And all of a sudden, some stuff started to happen. And you can kind of find out a little bit more about Joseph. This is an interesting part of the story, which each guy hoped was true of him. The scriptures say this, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. I don't know, guys, if you're like me, you're like, can I add that to my story? (laughs) Right? Each of us want that part. Like, as we're described, can it just be something about, like, handsome? Right? Well, this was true of Joseph. This guy was good looking. And that was pretty important, because why would the Bible say it? Well, it's important because of this. What started to happen was Potiphar's wife began to notice Joseph. And wanted Joseph for herself. And again and again and day after day, she asked Joseph, come, have an affair with me. Okay, so you see this guy's story. Brothers, sold, slavery, does really well. Things are going well for him. All of a sudden, his boss's wife is like, you're cute. Let's have an affair. Okay, the guy's story's already been kind of weird and crazy. It shifts again. And so now he's at another intersection where I'm pretty sure he didn't wake up thinking, today my boss's wife is going to try to have an affair with me. No, this was a surprise. He didn't see this coming. But the scriptures describe his process. And I wanted to read, this is where we're going to pick up the story. This is in Genesis 39, verse 8. It says this, But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am. Nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself because you are his wife. So he's saying, I've had tremendous success working for your husband. I have everything that I've ever wanted. And now the one thing that I can't have, because you're his wife, you're coming to me to say that I can. And you see this, this part where he's seeing this thing unfold. Like, what is going on? This is not, this is not right. Then he says, how then can I do this great wickedness, sin against God? And as she, as, as she spoke day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. So if it's not bad enough, the scriptures say she was doing this day after what day. Is this crazy? It wasn't just like one thing. No, I I cannot sleep with you. You're my master's wife. Then the next day again, the next day again, the next day again, he was not going to do it. This decision he never thought he was going to face. He had a story that he wanted to tell. He knew the story that he wanted to tell would not line up if he made this choice that damaged his reputation, that damaged his his relationship with God. He's seeing something beyond the circumstance. He had every freedom to do it. But the scriptures say he, he would not go against his master. He would not sin against God. 
And so the, to- the story shifts. And bear with me here, because she just decides, fine. I'm just, I'm going to have it out for you. If you're going to reject me, your life's going to be miserable. And she cried rape. And for all of the responsibility they had, for all the influence he had in his master's house, he got thrown in prison. Now, this could be like the worst story ever if it ended there, right? Now, you may have seen stories like this, like this would sell, right? This is like, this is Hollywood. This would sell. This is like a great story. And this is true. But it didn't end there. He went to prison. And now you think like, well, is this going to be like Shawshank? Right? Because he's going to dig out with a little chess piece. No, you find that he, he didn't want to escape. He didn't cower because it seemed like everything he did turned against him. The story explains more. And you find that he had influence in prison, just like he had influence in Potiphar's house. And what happened? He got more responsibility. He became the prisoner of all prisoners. He managed the prisoners. And God was with him, whatever he did. This is just, this is a crazy picture of a guy that was determined to tell the story that he wanted to tell. He knew the story he wanted to tell. And then he gets another opportunity. And this is like where the story shifts. This is where you see kind of this, this reward for his, his behavior. He didn't escape. He was faithful. He became this leader in prison. And what you find is he got this opportunity to interpret a dream from Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the leader of the whole country. Pharaoh has this dream and he needed somebody to interpret it. And Joseph got that opportunity. He interpreted the dream, predicted this famine that was going to come. And he saved great distress. And because of that, because of his prediction, because of his faithfulness, because of the fact that he still wanted to help Pharaoh, despite the whole country coming down on him, putting him in prison, he was given great blessing. His family was given great resource. Not only did they survive, but they thrived because of the decisions that he made. And that's the picture. He knew the story he wanted to tell. And it's two points. He wasn't going to go against his master which it would be good to go against God. And he was not going to sin against God. No, no matter how good the decision looked like in the moment, he knew that in his life, there were two key parts of his story. He wasn't going to go against who God had put over him, his authority. And he wasn't going to go against God himself by sinning or making choices that wouldn't please him. Because that was the flavor of his story that greatly impacted the outcome. And think for a moment, what if he had decided to sleep with Potiphar's wife? How different would the story have been? Would they have hunted him down, killed him? What's the regret that he would have faced for going against his master who had provided all this for him, who had taken care of him? How could he live with himself? We can only kind of elaborate on what that would look like but we see these these pictures every day people that in the moment don't think about the story they want to tell they make a decision that can ruin the rest of their life joseph was looking beyond the moment to see the greater story going on that's the encouragement for us here today how do we make a decision that lines up with the story that we want to tell
you may not know what story you want to tell. And you may just have experienced kind of decisions of regret or decisions of pain that you look back and you're like, oh, I, I wish I could just delete. Like, could that just be the bonus feature that no one got? So I want to turn the corner a little bit. We've heard about Joseph and how he just had this conviction for his life, which dictated the story that he lived. What does that mean for us here and now? And last week we talked about uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is this just wisdom on how to make decisions by looking to God. And that, that's really the key, is how, how does God come into play? Before I do that, I want to explain Genesis 39, the last part of the story before we move on. It says, he's talking uh, about his, his master. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself. Because you are his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That's the story. Straight from scripture. I, I cannot do this. I will not violate these term, these terms. Why? Because pleasing God is the key to writing the story that he wanted to tell. And I don't know about you, but there's a part of me that realizes if I make all these great decisions and I experience all this success, if I have not pleased God, is it worth it? Ecclesiastes says this to the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What does God give to the one that pleases him? Wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. Back to our purpose. Isn't that what we all hope for? We want to be happy. We want to make choices that actually make sense for our life, that don't destroy what we've done. This comes to the person who pleases God. And there's hope for all of us, no matter the story that we've had so far. If we make the decision to please God, he begins to show us a new way to live. A new reflex that we have as we do life his way in the moment of these decisions, in the moment of these relationships. As we spend our resources, as we handle our responsibilities, God gives us a new reflex. To please him. And no matter what we've done, we can have this new beginning. Pleasing God, that's the story that I want to tell. My hope is that's the story you want to tell. So let's look a little bit at how we do that. So what story do I want to tell? Here's a key that we find in the Proverbs. Faith is the key to writing a good story. Back to the beginning when I started this, I don't think any of us thought, well, I kind of want my story to just not really be much of anything. I mean, we don't tend to have this view of our life like we don't want it to count. We actually want it to matter for something. We want it to make a difference. We may not think about it a lot, but really at the core of us, that's what we want. That's very important to us. Faith is the key to this kind of story. 
Back to Proverbs. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. There's two key aspects to faith here that I want to talk about in closing. So if faith is the key to writing a good story and pleasing God is the kind of story that we should all want to tell, then what does this look like? Well, the first thing is we got to know how to live by faith and it's by trusting God. You find that in that Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Trust is really this picture of you trust God as the guide of your life. Like he will guide you. He will lead you in the decisions, in the moment, in the relationships that you have, in the responsibilities that you bear. He leads you in the moment to please him. That's what God does. He is a guide. Now, trust in the Lord with all your heart. The second part of that is don't lean on your own understanding. The picture is a lot of times we don't want to follow a guide. We want to follow a map. When we have a map, we have this route that we want our life to be. And we look at the highlighted part and we just want to follow it. Now, no one needs to guide us because we have it. But what you find about life is, isn't this true? Circumstances come up. People come up. And all of a sudden, this highlighted route that you have is blown to smithereens because life didn't go how you thought it would. The picture of your life map is destroyed. And it's kind of like following, when you follow a map, it's like following like GPS or like a Garmin. Remember those? Those were like the new thing. Then everyone got cell phones. And then what do you do with the Garmin? Or is that just me? Okay, that was just me. But when you follow the Garmin, all of a sudden you, you kind of know where you're supposed to go. But if, if I have a Garmin, I will follow it, even if I have a sense of where to go. And what I find with my Garmin is if the weather is bad or if the maps are outdated, it starts giving me totally bogus directions. But there's something about it. Like if it tells me to turn right, I'm going to do it. Because I paid for it to tell me. But sometimes when you follow the map and you don't follow a guide, it looks like this. I want to show you a little clip from the office. This is just, this just is funny. Turn. Wait, 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 no, 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 no. It means bear right. No, oh, there. It said right. It said take a right. No, 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 look. It, it means go up to the right, bear right, over the bridge, and hook up with 307. Take a right. It's a shortcut, Tony. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's a light there. It knows where it's going. It's going. That's good. In the end, life and business are about human connections. Go ahead and cut it. And 
computers are about trying to murder. <laughs> I didn't even know that part was on there. That was like a little added bonus. Go ahead and turn the lights off. That was like a movie. Hello. There we go. Um, I can relate. It said to turn right. If you're literal, you don't turn right eventually. It said turn right. My favorite part is it's, you know, submerged in water and make a U-turn. Right? Isn't that a picture? You have a map. And this is the, we all do this. We have a picture. We, we have the story we want to tell. We're going to have this job by here. We're going to be married to this person by here. Uh, we're going to have this amount of retirement to retire at this certain age. And we're going to live here and then we'll probably upgrade and then we'll have a certain number of kids. And we got this map. All of a sudden you don't get the job you want. You're not finding the person you thought you're going to marry or you did find them. And they're just not what you thought they were going to be. And all of a sudden the map you had is again, blown to smithereens. The picture of trusting God is you don't follow the map. You follow God. He takes you on the bends. He takes you on the detours. He walks you through it. Even when our own decisions have caused some of this pain. Because the opposite is leaning on your own understanding, which is, do you trust everything you know in the moment to make a decision that could impact your life and those around you for years to come? If I'm being honest with myself back to last week, most of the time I don't have enough understanding or wisdom to make those kinds of decisions. I need God as my guide. So it's this picture of leaning. When you're leaning on your own understanding, you you think your own knowledge, your own understanding can prop up the weight of your life and the impact of its decisions. I don't think I have that. I've seen some of the decisions I made in the moment and you don't want to sit in it. That's like a three-legged chair. You're going to fall. So you trust God with everything and you trust that as a guide, he's going to lead you to the life that pleases him, which leads to the best kind of story you can tell. So that's the first part of the faith story that God wants us all to have is to trust him. Trust the guide who leads us. The second aspect of the faith story that we all want to tell is to fear God. And you see this in the second part of Proverbs in Proverbs 3, 6. And it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Why do we fear God? Because he watches everything. He is present in the moment. He's not absent. He's not distant. He doesn't, he's not disconnected. He gets us because he made us. He gets what we face because he's seen it all before. Everything that we experience in life, God knows. And when we acknowledge him, we recognize that he is the God that is aware of all that happens. And so the decisions that we make in the intersections of life, we are making before the audience of God. Isn't that sobering? Man, that makes me think, well, if he really could see it, why why did I say that? That's a good question. If he can see, why did I do that? Oh, I thought maybe at that time, like he wasn't looking. The problem is that never happens in all your ways. Acknowledge him. It's not just saying, okay, I think you can see. So I'm going to acknowledge you're there. It's no, he does see. Tell your the truth about what's going on. God is watching. And so fearing him is realizing that is true and taking him. Serious enough that you're going to obey what he says. 
And a lot of times the picture of fearing God is this picture of just frightened despair. Like he's God and he's going to squash us. Well, God could squash every one of us if he so chose. But because God loves us, he doesn't do that. And because he wants to guide us, he can't do that if he destroys us. So he actually is very gracious with us. But fearing him means a few things. I wanted to kind of unfold what that means. This is what it means practically to fear God. The first is you give God the respect that he is due. He's God. Does he know more than you into the decision that you face? Yes. Does he know the future? Yes. Do you? Do I? No. So already right there, because of what God knows and what I don't know, he gets my respect. He knows more than me. He sees everything. He sees more than me. He understands everything. He can connect all the dots. He's the smartest there has ever been and will ever be. And so I give the respect that's due him because he's God. Because he's God and he's earned the respect just from the place he has in history, the place he has in the present, the place he has in the future. I also want to discover what he thinks. If this is true about who God is, I want to know what he thinks. Because if I know what he thinks, that also impacts the story I want to tell, which impacts the decisions I make in the moment when I'm not sure what to do. So practically, as you're making decisions on a relationship you have, what does the Bible say about the boundaries you should have in a relationship with somebody? How you should treat them, how you should not treat them. What does the Bible say about what you should do when somebody wrongs you? Knowing this impacts the story of your life. What does does God say about how you spend your money? What does the Bible say about how you earn your money? This impacts the story of your life. So if you just look at each area practically where you face decisions where you're not sure what to do, what does the Bible say about it? Fearing God is, since you're God, I want to know what you think. Now, if you're like me, sometimes it's because you're God, I don't really want to know what you think because I really care about what I want to do. Right? We all have that tendency. Like, if you actually find out what if they're different, we all face that. Then it comes back to what's the story you want to tell about your life. Pleasing God or pleasing yourself. That's an intersection. That's one of the primary intersections we're going to face every day. So it's giving God the respect that he's due. That's how we fear him. It's finding out what he has to say about the different aspects of our life. And then the third is like the kicker of fearing God. And that's actually to obey. Obey what he says. I want to assure you, if if you've looked back on your life and you know you just made some choices that were really just stupid, for lack of a better term. And we've all been there. We've all made stupid choices. You know, those those moments where you're like, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? We've all felt the pain of that. But the opposite is, if we obey God. What kind of pain can we avoid? That's the other question. We can all look at the pain we've experienced, but what about if we were to take God serious enough because he is God and we obey him? How would that impact here and now? How would that impact the future? 
oftentimes we're plagued with regret that we can't see actually the life that God wants to give us. And the promise is, if you see at the end of Proverbs 3, 6, he will make straight your paths. Now, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be bumps on the road. There's going to be detours you have to make that you never thought you're going to have to make. But ultimately, he gets you to the destination that you want to be. Because to him who pleases God, he gives knowledge, wisdom, and happiness. God does this. So the opposite of this is, is regret. What if we, we don't decide to please God in everything that we do? What, what's the regret that we could face? And you may already experience regret as you look back on those snapshots. If you summarize points of your life, you summarize just in this sentence, this is what happened and the pain that you feel because of it. I want to encourage you. You haven't made two poor choices that you're not beyond pleasing God. If you choose today to decide that you want God to be a part of your story, in fact, you want your story to please him. He can actually take the regret that you've experienced and you can learn from it. He can take the pain that you've experienced and he, over time, can heal you from it. That's what God does. So I want to encourage you. You have not written your story. It's not over. The chapter's not closed. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you still have the opportunity to, to rewrite the story of your life. Because this side of the grave, there's time. Once we die, it's too late. Our story has been written. And I want to encourage you. What the Bible says is if you choose to not look to God and make him the boss of your life, we experience Life and eternity without him. And that's what hell is. It's torment. And kind of as I've been thinking about this, this idea of writing a story with God, writing a story without God, this thing that keeps coming to my mind is this point of eternity without God. It seems like that is an eternity of regret. In the here and now, we can take regret and we can make choices that change our future, change the story of our life. But once we die, it's over. You're in regret for eternity. And even that puts the fear of God in me because I want to please him. I don't want that for my life. I don't want that for your life. So not only does it make a difference in the the final chapter, but in the here and now. God blesses as you do life his way. And so I want to encourage you, it's not too late. No matter what's happened, God will guide you as you trust in him. As the band comes up, I want to walk through some next step that you can take this morning. Uh, these are just ways of taking what we've been talking about and thinking through. Well, what does that mean I could do hearing this? Is there a way I need to think differently? Is there something I need to do differently? As Ben said, uh, really, obedience is in the doing, not the knowing. And so we want to help you. Figure out what it means to do. And next steps are part of the way we do that. The first thing is maybe you want to memorize Proverbs 3, 6. This is the fear God aspect. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Another step you could take is choose one aspect of fearing God and put it into practice. 
Do you need to give God the respect that he's due? Do you need to obey him? Do you need to find out what the Bible says about certain areas you're struggling in what decision you should make? What I encourage you to do on that connection card, go ahead and mark those next steps. If you have another one you want to take, go ahead and write that in there. This just as a way no one's checking on this. Uh, we just want to encourage you to do this. And between you and God, take one of those steps this week. You can also sign up for a life group, put the number the night that it meets, uh, attend a quiet time class. That's a great way uh, to that in the base camp are great ways to kind of figure out how your story intertwines with God's plan for you on the beginning end or once you've committed your life to Christ, how do you actually grow? That's what the quiet time class does. And then the parenting seminar, as Ben mentioned, we want to help you in that. And so if you attend, uh, if you sign that, we'll get you more details uh, as that gets closer. So let's pray together uh, before we continue in our singing of worship back to God. God, thank you so much that you are a God that can be feared. Uh, Many times we fear the future. We fear people in our life. But we fear you because there is no one like you. No one has the credibility, the resume, the history of how you've helped those that turn to you. You've helped those even despite the wrongdoing that we've done. You you still give us hope and you still give us a do-over. And God, that, that is just amazing and it's unfathomable, the fact that you love us like that. And God, I thank you that as we sing these songs about you, every time we do this, we are speaking the truth about the character of who you are. And God, for any of us that are experiencing regret and experiencing just kind of a story that we we just didn't think we were going to write. And as we look back, we kind of think we we want something else. God, help us to see that, that it's at that point that we can actually experience change. We can actually decide to go a different way. And so, Lord, we we thank you for, for new beginnings. In the name of Lord Jesus Christ, amen.